New York City's skyline has always been a beacon, a symbol of success and excess. But the COVID crisis threatens a real estate sector that was accustomed to never-ending demand. In my years of, of being in the real estate industry, I've never seen anything like this. Um, even the financial crisis uh, of 2009 doesn't even compare to this. It was the same thing that happened, you know, after Sandy and downtown shut down after September 11th and downtown shut down and it took a while for people to be feel safe going back to their offices. I don't think that there's gonna be some, you know, wholesale exodus of wealth from the city, but there are some people who are not here, are working remotely, and you know, it doesn't take a, a big number of them to have an impact. Real estate is king in New York. In 2019, it generated $31.9 billion in tax revenue. That's 53% of New York's total tax revenue, according to the Real Estate Board of New York. Demand for real estate was high when the pandemic hit the city. Then office buildings turned into ghost towns, and the vacancy rate for apartments was a record 6%, raising questions about the future of what had been a stable source of revenue. I'm Steve Kastenbaum, and this is New York Gritty, a podcast about the resiliency of New Yorkers in a time of crisis. It's been quite the run, you know, through some pretty, pretty tough times. Um, you know, the, the fiscal crisis, the um, crack and crime epidemic of, of the 90s, September 11th, the Great Recession, Hurricane Sandy. These have all been you know, body blows to New York City's uh, economy, but you know, they, they sort of pale in comparison to what's happened over the, the last year. Nothing has impacted uh, the city more, you know, profoundly economically than the, the COVID crisis. My name's Jordan Barrett. I'm the Vice President of Public Affairs at the Durst Organization. Uh, we're a 105-year-old uh, developer, owner, and manager of 13 million square feet of commercial Class A office buildings and 2,500 units of rental housing. We're hearing the sound of, of activity behind us as we're talking here in this really important part of the city, 6th Avenue and 42nd Street, Bryan Park, your office is over here. But for a very long time, this was a dead zone and it hasn't bounced back fully yet. Uh, and for months they were talking about what are the expectations for this area? Some of the most densely packed office buildings are here, uh, including yours. What did that feel like to be down here for months and not see the normal activity? I mean, this is such an important economic hub for daily commerce in New York, not just the people going to work, but just day-to-day -day business. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was stunning. I mean, I you know, I've, I've been coming into midtown Manhattan, you know, three days a week or for solid weeks during the summer. And, you know, I've seen firsthand, you know, what the impact of the pandemic has had on, uh, on you know, the central business district. And I remember the first couple days being back, having a hard time finding a place uh, to eat lunch because every place was closed. And, um, you know, a few places have reopen but about half the half the places are closed still what was the landscape like for people in the real estate business here in new york prior to the pandemic 
you know, back in February of, of 2020, the, the market was strong. Uh, we had just um, stabilized One World Trade Center, got it up to 93% occupancy. The residential market was robust, vacancies were low, and, um, you know, the, the market was humming. New York City was humming along. Real estate's a major economic barometer for New York City. Even when things aren't going so well here, there's always this forward-looking lens for real estate, right? Yeah, there's, there's a, our business and a, a lot of the traditional New York City families have a generational approach to their business, meaning that they you know, build um, for returns that are a decade or two decades away. So there's a there's a stability to the industry, um, you know, and the nature of the assets are you know stable. Buildings tend to you know stay around for a while as opposed to you know an automobile or a, or an appliance. Those things sort of wear out, have a useful life of you know whatever it is, five ten years. You know, buildings you know can last hundreds and hundreds of years and reinvent themselves and reposition themselves, and that's really the nature of, of New York City's market. And New York has always been growing. I don't think it's ever stopped growing. It's incredible that you in real estate keep finding ways to to expand when yeah. when every inch of space seems to be taken up on the ground. I mean, yes, I New York. I think for the last 50 odd years has been on this, you know, incredible economic juggernaut. But if you, if you go back to the 70s, the city did lose a million people in population between 1970 and 1980, and um, you know, it, it's been it's been a it's been quite the run, um, you know, since then. When you look at those measurables today and you look back in comparison to things like the depression or the recession, you know, we lost a lot of jobs, hundreds of thousands of jobs in the recession. What do you think when you see how demonstrably deeper the impact is with this pandemic than it was in some ways with those other crises here? I mean, it, it's, it is, it, it's, fri it's frightening. It's been a frightening year. Uh, there's no doubt about it, you know, um, but as, 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 as terrifying and as difficult as this has all been, you really do feel that there's tremendous pent-up creativity, energy, uh, and demand, you know, that the, that, the, that the city, you know, has the potential to, to rebound and to bounce back. I mean, people are just dying, you know, to get back to their routines um, and get back to being in a place that's, you know, that they chose to live in, that's worth living, that's the center of the universe. Um, you know, New York is, a, is, an, is an interesting city. You know, there's a lot about living here that, that's not so great, right? Um, you know, it's expensive, um, it's noisy, the apartments are small. But, um, you know, if you're here, you know you're not missing out on anything. Right, and there's this. Um, it attracts people who want to be at the center of things, and and it is. And you know, I think it's been really hard for the city to not be, you know, all the things that make it so great for this last year. But 
you know, us New Yorkers, we, we want it to be again. And, you know, we're dying for, you know, the arts and culture and the restaurant scene and, and, and industry and, the, you know, um, uh, communications and advertising, all those things that, like, make New York unique uh, to, to blossom again. The one interesting thing about um, the real estate business or industry is it is incredibly cyclical. So you will always have ups and you will always have downs in the cycle. Uh, and you will never hit the top and you will never hit the bottom. It's, it's a sort of a slow, progressive role. My name is Ellen Israel. I am a commercial real estate broker. I work for a company called JRT Realty Group. Uh, which is a certified woman-owned business and the largest certified woman-owned uh, commercial real estate company in the country. I have been in the real estate business for almost 40 years. So we have this new landscape here in New York where suddenly the streets in our commercial districts uh, were empty and the office towers were empty and the the, the businesses on the streetscape were empty and New York City has only so many streams of revenue to keep its government afloat, to keep services moving here, to keep them operating from day to day. I imagine there was a lot of concern in your industry or being reflected in your industry when suddenly, you know, early on in the pandemic, those streets became a ghost town. Well, yeah, it was the same thing that happened, you know. Uh, I mean, after Sandy and downtown shut down, uh, after September 11th and downtown shut down, and it took a while for people to be feel safe going back to their offices. Uh, after September 11th, there was a, a flight of not only people, but companies to uh, Connecticut, New Jersey, Florida, you know, the same way um, companies and and people were leaving now. And the reality is, though, a lot of them came back. Those those tenants that moved to Stanford, Connecticut came back. Those tenants that moved to New Jersey came back. People who moved out of the city came back. So it might take a little bit longer in terms of time for people to feel comfortable in moving back. But New York is resilient. New York is you know, the capital of commerce and naysayers will say, but you can work from home. You could do this. You can do that. You don't get the same vibe, feel, uh, brain generation at home on a zoom call as you do in an office. And even if you have to sit six feet apart from somebody else or next to a plexiglass window, the vibe and the energy in the office is what makes many of our companies in New York successful and the reason that they need to be here. Are you seeing any trends in the commercial office space? Are companies saying, I need to downsize, or are they saying, I need to reimagine my office space for this new reality, or I need to acquire more space so that uh, for the short term, my employees do feel more comfortable coming back because they'll, they'll be spaced apart. Are there any trends emerging? Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to say where there's a trend. 
because although there's a lot more sublease space on the market now, which could be a knee-jerk reaction, until, you know, and things don't happen in the snap of a finger. So although J.P. Morgan Chase just put 400,000 feet on the market downtown, you know, they're repositioning their midtown office. They're not stopping building their midtown office. So that consolidation has been in in the works for a number of years now, as with other corporations. Look, the other thing that, that goes on is, and I, I use this word very lightly, is posturing. A way to get a landlord to the table is when you say, okay, I'm going to put my space on the market and um, when my lease is up, I'm going to leave. So it's a way of showing a landlord you're serious about wanting to negotiate either a reduction in rent or a longer term at a better rent. There are many companies that are taking advantage of uh, the lull or the 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 economics uh, that the pandemic has presented. And there will be many fabulous deals out there uh, for companies to take advantage of. And this this also happened after September 11th, when tenants, large tenants put their uh, space on the market and other tenants took up the opportunity and it was called a flight to quality. And that will happen again. It's a flight to quality. So I do think there's a differentiation that tenants um, and their employees are seeing in the market of top buildings and an emphasis of wanting to be back in the workplace. I think even more important is that with remote work, right, some of the benefits of remote work, both from a cost saving standpoint, reducing co- commutation, Tenants, um, they, they want to get largely, I mean, we talk to a lot, want to get people back into the office, are, are concerned about kind of forcing people back because of all the emotional and life planning aspects of, of this pandemic. My name is Philippe Visser. I'm president of Related Office Development, which is the office uh, division of the Related Companies. Related leading national developer with a long history in New York City, one of the largest affordable housing portfolios in the nation, luxury residential, and now increasingly a commercial development office pipeline of about 18 million square feet, including about 11 million square feet in New York. You are the people behind Hudson Yards. People across the country now know because it's a major tourist attraction. Can you give a a brief description of Hudson Yards for folks who may not be familiar with it? Sure. We started Hudson Yards in 2008. So ironically, in the last downturn coming out of the Great Recession and Related had a vision of the 18 million square feet mixed-use site as an opportunity on the west side to really transform the whole west side of Manhattan. Um, As you know, there was a a massive rezoning that happened before that, um, laying the groundwork for creating new homes for 21st century companies because of the aging Manhattan office stock. So we, we master planned it and over the last five years have now developed the first phase of approximately 11 million square feet 
mainly commercial office, but also a large retail component, a large residential component, and about seven acres of open space, including what's really now known as um, the vessel, uh, which is Thomas Heatherwick's public interactive public art sculpture at at the at the center, w- which really again kind of energizes the whole project. What's going on in the real estate market long term now, considering the realities that we're facing here with the changes in the workplace environment, the changes in commuting habits, uh, with an eye towards the future? Look, I think. From from our perspective at Hudson Yards and the other commercial office projects that we're looking at, they're kind of top top of line, and certainly all have that mixed use component, which we think is really important in terms of differentiating from other office product and and, and an uh, open space aspect to all of them as well as good transit connection. Hudson Yards is really the epitome of that because of the way we designed it. We have touches like technology in terms of coming into turnstiles, you know, smartphone app uh, to get into elevators, all the kind of highest levels of MERV filters, you know, no one knew what MERV even was, I think, for, before this in terms of ratings, and everyone's now a, a fil- filtration expert. And, and we spent a lot of time eva- evaluating all the kind of technology that was thrown at us for COVID prevention and virus, virus prevention. So I do think there's a differentiation that tenants um, and their employees are seeing in the market of top buildings and an emphasis um, um, into the office and having the whole team here interacting together in in a safe way, of course. There's nothing quite like it. And creating that fear of missing out that tenants are going to want to not just work, not just work at home, but work and collaborate with their colleagues, which is so important for for all the companies that are here and what, what makes New York City special. Where that goes in terms of the real estate market and, and, you know, New York City, where there's 400, about 400 million square feet of space, obviously is sort of anyone's guess. I mean, there's a lot of pronunciations about it. I think, I think older buildings initially are going to have a harder time with tenants. I think there'll be more of a distinction between a class A new product that, that, that includes that open space, that includes, includes that mixed use aspects um, that employees were excited to go. That was happening already. And I think we're in for, a, certainly in for a challenging kind of year or two um, in the office market as as everyone gets back on their feet coming back after this pandemic. But personally, I think that people, human beings want to be together. And ultimately, we're more productive when we're together. The The experiment with kind of remote work and technology has been significant, and I think there are benefits that'll come out of that. But people are going to want to get get back together in the workplace, maybe with more flexibility, I think, than they had before, but still emphasizing that that collaboration and teamwork that you can really only get when you're 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 face to face. So ultimately, I think you know the entire market will recover, and New York City will bounce back. This isn't the first time that sort of work from home has. Um, percolated as, a, as an alternative to the tr- traditional office. That's Jordan Barowitz from the Durst organization again. Now, th- this experiment uh, that we've gone through the last year is unparalleled, right? No, no one's ever done anything like this before. And, you know, when everybody's working remotely, you know, it, 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 it sort of level sets everything. However, we firmly believe 
that the office environment is uh, a much more productive and creative environment to work in than having people um, communicate uh, via Zoom and, and working diffusely. The, those collisions that you have in the office, um, you know, those impromptu conversations at the coffee machine or the, or the copy machine, um, you know, being in a room with other people and, you know, being able to read their faces and, and understand, you know, you know, their body language and, and see the, uh, you know, the entire scope of, of um, uh, someone's ideas or presentations, that, that is a distinct advantage. Um, over remote work. So once companies start to come back, I think that they'll see that their competitors who are back are doing better. And then also employees will see when I'm not there, when I'm not in the room, I'm missing something. And we all know what that's like when we were the person calling in on the conference call to a room full of people. You know, you're catching about 60% of what's going on. So, you know, I think once we sort of get back to that sort of normalcy of being in the office, the, the uh, competitive advantage of in-person work will, will pretty quickly reveal itself. I think the days of like cramming as many people in as small an office as possible are over. I call it the end of the scourge of bench seating. And, you know, access to light, natural light, and views and fresh and clean air and having an office that really you know is centered around the people who the experience of the people who work there their health their productivity their wellness is going to become more and more important because also you want people to be healthy but you also have to compete with you know the potential of, of that person sitting on their couch in their sweatpants and working so your, your office environment um, has to has to up its game and um, you know that will be that expansion you know of more space for employee that will be good for the industry it's a huge uh, change that we're experiencing right now in the rental market for example um, and not only has the rent gone down but landlords are now offering a first one month free rent two months free rent three months free rent you're seeing that uh, you're seeing that Whereas before, brokers would charge the tenants a leasing fee. Right now, the landlords are paying for it. Now, my name is Tony Danziga. I am a licensed New York State real estate attorney, actually, who uh, transitioned into the business side of real estate. Uh, I'm also heavily involved with our local real estate association until we merged with the Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors. I serve as one of its directors, and uh, I'm also a director of the New York State Association, and I'm one of the directors of the National Association of Realtors. That's a lot of real estate agents that you speak uh, on behalf of, and they're dealing with some of the most highly valued real estate in New York and, and even, even in the country, right? Yes, absolutely, uh, especially especially in Manhattan. Of course, uh, you know, we... We have some of the highest real estate values in the entire country here. Uh, San Francisco is at our level, has been. Uh, a lot of things have changed since COVID, and uh, we're seeing a lot of price drops. And so there, things have happened over the last year that have caused that, including a very large uh, migration of, of, 
of New Yorkers out of the city. As time went on during that crisis, we started hearing about record vacancy rates. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Uh, you know, certainly that's, you know, that's, that's statistical. It's, it's there. Uh, the vacancy rate shot up to its highest level in many, 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 many years. Um, you know, not only from properties that I manage, but from all over New York City, uh, people basically fled out of fear. And um, as the result of that was that an apartment that rented, let's say, for we'll, we'll just we'll go for a luxury. I'll give an example of a luxury apartment that I dealt with that was rented out in January of last year for forty five hundred and fifty dollars. A one bedroom luxury apartment. Uh, just found a tenant for it this year for thirty six hundred dollars. So you're talking about anywhere between an eighteen to twenty plus percent drop in rent over the course of a year. That's huge, huge. Rents in New York City didn't really go down historically. They went up. Uh, the only rents that didn't go up were the rents that were stabilized. So it was. it's a huge uh, change that we're experiencing right now in the rental market, for example. COVID heightened the problem, right? Mm -hmm. But New York's lost over a million and a half people over the last 10 years, right? A quarter of those went to Florida, right? And people say, well, you know, so what if we raise taxes on the rich? Well, you know, people who earn over $100,000 in New York, they account for 80% of the tax base here. So who's going to pay for the services that we need in New York City if we scare away the rich folks? And, and the rich folks may not be as rich as we think they are, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we really have to strike a balance in this city where we work together uh, all New Yorkers work together. But right now, I'm a little concerned that the problems that we're having in New York are not because of COVID. The problems we're having in New York are really coming from our own government. And, you know, and it, I, not that old, but I'm old enough to remember the dirty streets. I'm older enough to, to remember the the filthy subways. I'm old enough to remember, you know, the people, the homeless people in Tompkins Square Park and, you know, the Bronx is burning with the buildings, you know, the dilapidated buildings around you. It was a terrible time. And, you know, you start to see little little bits of that every now and then. You know, you start to see dirtier streets in places like Harlem and Morningside Heights. You know, I think we didn't have that before. But there's a lot of budget cuts right now. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that on the streets. And I think we have to be very careful of how we continue to govern ourselves because this is not just COVID related. This is going back now for several years. There, there are a lot of other issues that are not COVID related. And if we put the blame on COVID, we, we might be missing the bigger picture and we might not be addressing the real problem. And you bring up a good point. You know, Real estate is one of the few avenues through which the city is able to earn revenue. That's right. And, and you know, when you look at the people who've left New York, right? Certainly, I mean, okay, well, let's look at the one and a half million people who left New York over the last 10 years. This wasn't, we're not talking about one and a half million billionaires or one and a half million millionaires. 80% of those are middle-class New Yorkers who just couldn't afford to live here. I would just say that the ghost town effect that you saw in midtown Manhattan uh, is not what 
you know, if you if you went to the outer boroughs in, um, you know, working class communities, it was not a ghost town. Those are the communities where people were still getting on the train and going to work. These were the essential workers. These are your seniors. These are your folks, you know, living with disabilities. And so, you know, it's not like people were going to their second homes, uh, you know, to ride out the pandemic. They that not only were they, you know, in their home, um, many of them continued to work. And many of them who had family members who lost employment and did not live in affordable housing, all of a sudden they started moving into their family members' homes. My name is Michelle Delaos, and I'm the executive director of the Fifth Avenue Committee, a nonprofit community development corporation based in Brooklyn, New York, whose mission is to advance economic and social justice. What was the landscape like in affordable housing in New York prior to the pandemic? Uh, real estate was was booming here, uh, and it was an incredibly expensive city to live in. Increasingly, we were hearing about how it was becoming more and more difficult for people of limited means to survive in New York, to find an affordable place to live and raise a family here. Well, I mean, we've had an affordable housing crisis in New York City for many, many decades. It's one of the reasons why rent stabilization exists in the city of New York. You know, we have vacancy rates overall in the city um, that are less than 5% in Brooklyn, where the majority of Fifth Avenue Committee, our projects are, the vacancy rate is less than 3%. That vacancy rate is even smaller, or uh, that percentage is even smaller in when you're talking about very low-income folks or you know really poor and working-class folks. There's, there's extremely limited supply for folks who have limited means to pay rent. Um, so, you know, I would say that the landscape is one where there is um, tremendous demand um, and tremendous need um, whenever Fifth Avenue Committee develops a new project. Um, you know, we, we, like other affordable housing developers, make those units available through an affordable housing lottery. We literally get tens of thousands of people um, who apply for several dozen or, and, you know, or a couple hundred units of housing. Throughout the New York Gritty podcast series, we've been hearing from New Yorkers that there's also opportunity in this crisis, uh, a chance to reinvent their sectors that they exist within, whether it's uh, socially or economically. What's the opportunity here as it pertains to real estate, especially affordable real estate? What do you see as an opportunity? How are you pivoting during this pandemic? Well, I, I think the opportunity is probably a broader opportunity. You know, I think that and it's one that I think a number of folks have, are aware of, you know, the conversation about are we going to need all this commercial office space, you know, in the future? Are we going to need all of these hotel rooms in the future? What what is what is the future of New York City look like? And given given the extent of the affordability crisis in New York, is the highest and best use of some of that affordable housing? Is that appropriate? Is that an appropriate use in certain neighborhoods in certain places? I think that's definitely a very big opportunity that could go a long way to help be part of the solution to New York City's homeless crisis and affordable housing crisis. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that New Yorkers, especially New Yorkers of means, are much, much more deeply aware of uh, inequality and how that shows up in our city Obviously, COVID has laid bare the inequalities uh, that exist in our society. I think that, you know, people aren't talking about going back to normal. They're talking about a new normal. Um, And I hope that issues of equity and justice are 
front and center in people's minds as we think about what that new normal should be like. So I'm, I guess I'm, you know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that um, more more people are aware of of the, you know, of those in need and like how how interconnected we all are in in our society, and that really we're only as strong as our weakest link. And uh, so hopefully that means we're going to be better at taking care of each other and our neighbors. If anybody thinks that like New York is sort of going to be the city it once was without a thriving central business district, it's like it's not going to be. We've been a commercial capital for 425 years since the Dutch got here. And it's a place where people from across the world come to seek their fame and fortune. And it's a formula that has worked um, almost without interruption for a long, long time. Once again, Durst Organization Vice President Jordan Barowitz. The city is no doubt coming back. Like, they're, they're, you know, people will continue to flock here, um, even though we, we've had population loss over the last uh, few years. But, but it will still be the beacon that, it, that it's always been. But um, we don't want, you know, we don't want business and industry being like, ah, you know what, it's too much of a drag. You know, um, the taxes are too high. The quality of life has gone down. Uh, I feel like uh, nobody wants me here, so I'm going to leave. And it's like, you know, no, we need everybody. If tax revenue from real estate in New York doesn't get back to where it was, the next mayor of this city is going to have some difficult budget choices to make. There have been some signs of improvement in the real estate market, though. The Real Estate Board of New York said there was a 39% increase in condo and co-op sales in the fourth quarter of 2020, following three quarters with significant declines. And during the first week of April 2021, ridership on the subway topped 2 million on one day for the first time since the pandemic began, suggesting that commuters are starting to return to work in Manhattan. It still has a long way to go to get back to pre-pandemic levels of over five and a half million riders a day. You can hear more stories about the resiliency of New Yorkers during the pandemic in other episodes of our podcast. Follow New York Gritty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Check out the website for more on the city's recovery from the pandemic, nygritty.com, and send me an email if you have a story about how you're getting by during this tough time, steve at nygritty.com. Follow New York Gritty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for details on upcoming episodes. I'm Steve Kastenbaum. Thanks for listening.